today on Doomed! Oh, here we go. Pull up a chair, crack open a cold one. It's time for the Doomed with Matt Binder experience. Ah, see what I did there? Today on Doomed, we're looking at a recent episode of the Joe Rogan experience. Where, well, Joe Rogan invited Tim Pool, of all people, to talk to some of the heads of Twitter who actually showed up in studio to uh, talk about everyone's favorite good faith topic, conservative bias on social media. Ooh, spooky. Are you looking forward to this as much as I am, everybody? <laughs> Let me pull myself up on the camera here. Ah, oh, nice to see you all. There I am. Hello. I am now on YouTube. Everyone can see me. Uh, I'm being serious about cracking open that cold one, but in my case, as you all know, it's a Coca-Cola. <sighs> all right, so let's do this. So, first of all, I'm going to tell you all how you can support this show. Because you're going to all enjoy this show and want to support it afterwards. Go to patreon.com slash mattbinder. All I ask is $5 a month. If you can give only give less, give less. If you can only give more, give more. If you can only give more. If you can give more, give more. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, you can also subscribe to the show on iTunes for the podcast, Google Play, etc., wherever you can get podcasts. And subscribe to this YouTube channel if you enjoy watching the video uh, live stream of this show. Doomed.tv will take you directly to the channel. That easy. Doomed.tv. All right, let's jump right into this. Um, and really what I want to do here is give everyone a bit of a primer of what happened. So basically, as you all know, conservatives' favorite victimization ploy right now is that they're all being... Uh, really what it is is they think they're being censored on Twitter, but really what it is is that they're ba breaking basic policy rules. And so they're going around and they're making a big thing about it. They've done it with Facebook, and Facebook's already kowtowed to them uh, really over the years now. And now it's Twitter's turn. And so and so Jack Dorsey, basically, the CEO, really the founder of too of Twitter – is going around to all these different podcasts and shows and trying to make nice. And when I say podcasts and shows, I'm talking about conservative podcasts and shows, trying to make nice and prove that, hey, look at me, I'm cool, I'm going on all these different, uh, you know, these different conservative uh, platforms and trying to explain what's really going on. Uh, I respect that. It's more than Mark Zuckerberg's done. It's more than, you know, uh, YouTube Anyone at YouTube has done. It's more than a lot of these social networks have done. I respect that. Uh, but again, he's really only going to conservative outlets. Uh, whereas there's plenty of criticism of Twitter from the left. And not even just the left. Even anyone left of center. Liberals. Progressives. Your run-of-the-mill Democrat. But this is what they're doing because of the conservative bias that's going on. And so... Jack Dorsey goes on Joe Rogan's show. And this is not his first time on Joe Rogan's show. He's been on Joe Rogan's show before, very recently too, by the way. And the thing that really has everyone talking about this time on the Joe Rogan show for Jack Dorsey is that Joe realized, I guess, that he didn't know as much 
as uh, other people do about the situation on Twitter uh, with conservatives. So he invited everyone's favorite legitimate down the middle center journalist. Uh, I'm saying that with uh, great sarcasm, Tim Pool. Uh, to really come and explain, I guess, for Joe and ask the proper questions. Um, but here's the thing. A lot of people don't know who Tim Pool is. I have known about Tim Pool for uh, way longer than I wish I knew about Tim Pool. <laughs> and I, before we get to some of these clips from this episode of Joe Rogan and Tim Pool versus the heads of Twitter... Um, I think we should get a little background here of who Tim Pool is. So I first became aware of Tim Pool in 2011 during Occupy Wall Street. At the time, I was working for uh, this uh, scrub uh, who many of you probably don't even know. He's totally fallen outside of uh, the, the, you know, the, 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 the leftist uh, movement uh, of punditry. Uh, Sam Cedar uh, of the Majority Port. <laughs> I was there at the time, and Occupy was in full swing. And I love you, Sam. I'm sorry. I had to do it. Uh, so Occupy's in full swing, and we're all we're, we're we're full into it. Me and Sam went down there to Zuccotti Park. We're covering Occupy. We're really getting to know the protesters, the people who are covering the protests, uh, whether it be independent media or you know really journalists from all stripes who were down there covering it. Um, we had everyone who you could think of on the show who was down there and had on the ground firsthand experience. And we come across Tim Pool from his uh, live streaming. At the time, you know, live streaming is this brand new thing. Uh, no one's really that familiar with it. This is at a time when Ustream is a thing. At a, that is at a time when Justin.tv is a thing. This is at a, a time when Livestream.com was a thing, uh, before Vimeo, way before Vimeo purchased it. And what what's going on here is that Tim Pool, to his credit, is one of the earliest people to really start live streaming Occupy in really a round-the-clock fashion. Uh, he's doing this with this other guy uh, whose name escapes me at the time. Henry... Uh, I could look it up. Uh, eh, Henry something or another. <laughs> it really doesn't matter. But they were part of a group called The Other 99%. And these guys were an independent media group who were basically, like I said, down at Occupy, live-streaming what was going on. And what set Tim apart from most of the other people who were down there covering it, aside from just the live streaming aspect, because there were other streamers along with Tim, is that Tim was good at providing running commentary of what he was seeing. Uh, Tim, uh, at the time, uh, was already actually uh, butting heads with various groups down at Occupy, uh, because he had a habit of not only filming uh, the egregious actions of police, he was also uh, going out of his way to film uh, direct action from, you know, uh, black bloc groups, anarchists, uh, you know, your everyday occupied protesters who sometimes had to perform direct action that was more straight up civil disobedience than just hanging out at a park. Um 
you can have your opinion on that. I, at the time, had my opinion that um, really Tim was doing his job of covering everything. Uh, but I also understand the other side where, uh, you know, what is a journalist's job? Who are they going after here? Um, if someone's doing something to escape from uh, a unnecessary uh, brutal police action, then does it matter what they're doing may be a form of civil disobedience? Do you really want to get their face on camera and get them in trouble with the law being that their their face will be on caught on camera? That's another conversation for another day. Um, that's not what I have a problem with Tim Pool about. So Tim basically uses this this he blows up basically and he uses this newfound fame from covering Occupy. Uh, you know, he covered the uh, around the clock, uh, really what it was, police uh, dispersion of Occupy on their big N17 uh, anniversary where basically police were constantly following Occupy as Occupy had uh, really an all day, all night uh, actions planned uh, 24 hours uh, and Tim was there following it to his credit. And so he used that, that, that newfound fame he had and he started working at Vice. He started working at Fusion. He was called the, uh, you know, if you guys remember Fusion, it was that uh, Univision uh, company. And, you know, Tim was, was heralded as the future of citizen journalism. And he had a, a following, a name for himself from doing this sort of stuff. And somewhere along the line, along with people like Cassandra Fairbanks... Uh, he became, at the very least, uh, alt-right sympathizer, if not alt-right adjacent, if not straight up, uh, an alt-right supporter. Uh, and if you don't believe me, there are photos of Tim hanging out with a number of prominent people in the alt-right movement, in the far right. Uh, I will show those pictures now. Um, let's pull up the first, the first photos. Uh, you can tell Tim isn't quite proud to be in this photo because he knows how much it's going to hurt his whole shtick of being the straight up down the middle centrist. Uh, well, there he is with, uh, notable right wingers, notable, uh, white supremacists, notable fascists, uh, people with groups like Identity Europa. We have Baked Alaska. We have, uh, Brittany Pettibone, by the way, who, uh, by, uh, should be noted for pushing the Pizzagate conspiracy theory, which uh, ended up sending a uh, mentally ill individual to a local pizzeria in D.C. Uh, with a gun, searching for a basement that didn't exist, where, according to Brittany Pettibone and other Pizzagate uh, pushers, is where this D.C. pizza place was keeping child sex slaves. All turned out to be untrue, by the way, and really is the ended up being the conspiracy that gave birth to the later current conspiracy theory that is the QAnon uh, shit. Really, <laughs> this is the best way to describe it. So there he is hiding because he knows what this means for his whole uh, grift. Uh, listen, if you are a journalist. And you are covering these people. You are going to find yourself, probably, if you really want to get down, you know, get the information 
get to know what's going on here, you're going to be with these people, no doubt about it. Uh, you're going to be with them in public spaces. You're going to be seen with them, talking with them at uh, you know events, public events, gatherings, you know things like CPAC, even things like Richard Spencer's uh, group's annual gathering. No doubt about it. If you're a journalist covering this stuff, you'll be there and photos can be taken out of context, misconstrued. You can be seen with these people and it doesn't mean exactly that. Let's pull up this picture again though. There he is literally having drinks and a meal with these folks. He's sitting at a table at a uh, bar, uh, outdoor seating, hanging out with Brittany Pettibone, James Alsup, Baked Alaska, and various members of different white supremacist groups. And he knows what this means. Look, I went, like, people listening to the podcast aren't getting the full picture here. He is, everyone else is looking at the camera, big smiles on their face, putting up the AOK sign, uh, LOL, you know, they know that's the whole 4chan uh, gimmick where it's the uh, white supremacist gang sign. And, but there he is, hands sort of in front of his face, not looking at the camera, trying to hide uh, behind the mustachioed man seated to his right. This isn't the only photo of Tim Poole hanging out with these people. Let's pull up another one. So there's, uh, from the left to the right in this photo, Lucian Wintrich, who was, um, excuse me if I'm not saying that name correctly, I haven't heard his name in a while, ever since he got fired from Gateway Pundit for lying. Now, if you get fired from Gateway Pundit for fake news, an outlet that is a purveyor, a well-known purveyor of fake news, misinformation, and straight-up bullshit, then you have to be really far out there. So there's Lucian. Uh, standing next to Laura Loomer, standing next to Gavin McGinnis, standing next to Cassandra Fairbanks, standing next to Brittany Pettibone again. And uh, there he is looking uncomfortable like, uh-oh, caught in this picture. What am I going to do? There's Tim Poole. This time I give him credit for at least recognizing that there's a camera there and looking at the camera. Props to Tim for... Uh, I guess, being, uh, I don't know, photogenic in this pic. <laughs> I don't know what else to say about that. Now, during Tim's time covering Occupy, he was n often found with this guy, Luke Rutkowski. And again, at the time, Tim and Luke and all these other live streamers were just either A, Occupy supporters live streaming it as citizen journalists or trying to sort of be uh, this sort of new type of independent citizen journalist who is just not taking sides, maybe, you know, a little bit sort of sympathetic to the protesters, but just straight up trying to cover it down the middle. And Luke Rutkowski and Tim ended up sort of working together a lot. And Luke if you look into his past, even before Occupy, had a real, like, sort of 9-11 truther background to him. 
And he, he was part of this, he has this group called We Are Change. And I don't want to get too much into Luke here because really he doesn't matter much anymore, as far as I know. Um, but he also ended up veering from conspiracy uh, theorist, you know, your run-of-the-mill George Bush did 9-11 conspiracy theorist, to sort of an Occupy supporter, to really an alt-writer now. Um, he, uh, if not a straight-up alt-writer, let me add this addendum, then an alt-right sympathizer, alt-right adjacent conspiracy theorist peddler. Because he's still pushing his conspiracy theory uh, news organization, We Are Change. And let me see if I could grab this photo real quick. I didn't have it pulled for... All right, cool. I got it already. Here's Luke Rutkowski. With... Uh, that's right. If you're looking at the YouTube live stream. Uh, I'm not familiar with these other two guys. But yeah, that's Lauren Southern hanging out with Luke Rutkowski in that photo there. And for those of you who are familiar with Lauren Southern... She's the one who's uh, banned from certain countries for doing things like going into uh, foreign territory, sailing into foreign territory to try to stop immigrants seeking asylum from getting into Europe. Literally out there trying to push people who are on the brink here of, of looking for, for a better life. You know, they can't go back to the, the, the war-torn countries they're coming from. People who are looking for asylum, she and a bunch of her white supremacist buddies sailed out into the water to try to force these guys back. Uh, you know, a lot of these people could die out in the water to begin with. But why am I bringing this all up? Now... Again, I'm not trying to say he's straight up guilty by association. You know, if I want to use that H2O quote, you know, guilty by association, judged by who, I know. There you go. There's my punk rock cred. But, you know, if you were someone, a journalist, for example, who's hanging out with the right, the left, people of all stripes to try to get the scoops, I get it. These photos would be taken out of context You'll be able to show photos of you also with people of other political stripes and be able to say, listen, here's the deal. I'm doing my job. Here are my dispatches. Here are my reports. Here is my, you know, on the ground uh, videos showcasing here I am with this group, here I am with that group. But I dare you to find me something where Tim Pool's hanging out with folks outside of a protest, outside of an event, like he does with all these alt-writers. And it's interesting to me that Tim Pool has worked with people who, I don't know if he's still hanging out with Luke Rudgowski, but somehow he's hung out with people who also have all, all become alt-writers. Cassandra Fairbanks, I remember she was down at Occupy. She was a leftist. And I say that, with an asterisk, because if you look through my own personal Twitter feed, you'll find there's times where, and maybe she's deleted some of them by now, but I looked back when she became a Trumper to see if I ever had any sort of contact with her, because I remember she would show up in my replies every now and then. And I never replied back to her because I always had this weird, and you know, just some sort of intuition I had, where something was off about her in terms of what she was doing here. 
It felt very grift-like, the way she was going about things. You know, she claims to be a big Bernie supporter who got pushed away by Hillary Clinton. That's fine. I get it. Go Green Party. Go, you know, uh, Socialist Party. Go uh, any sort of other third party. Don't vote at all. I completely get it. But to go straight from a hardcore Bernie leftist to a Trump supporter, uh, unless you're one of those, you know, like uh, blue-collar Midwest people who really weren't that political ideologically aligned, who just liked Bernie for his workers' rights cred and was fooled by Trump's workers' rights stuff, unless you're one of those really specific people who weren't in this political bubble like Cassandra Fairbanks was and still sort of is, there's no possible reason for you to go from hardcore Bernie leftist to Trump supporter. Look at H.R. Goodman. There's another grifter who built his whole shtick on pretending Bernie Sanders still had a shot, fooling, you know, young Bernie supporters who weren't so much, you know, politically inclined maybe then or didn't really, uh, you know, follow the, the sort of... Uh, you know, hardcore wonky stuff behind these sort of primaries and superdelegate counts and elections. You had this H.R. Goodman fellow who was doing this stuff, building his his uh, his name with this grift. And then now he's a full-blown Trumper because that's where the money is for these YouTubers, to become Trump supporters. That's where the grift is because you have to be smart. You have to actually, you can't fool uh, people into believing that this primary candidate still has a shot when they don't anymore, uh, you have to fool, you know, there's not that audience once the election season, the presidential election season's over. You actually have to be smart. You have to know what you're talking about. The easy thing is to get away from those smart political uh, people on the left and become a right-wing grifter. We've seen it time and time again. It's super simple to do. So... That's where we are with that. And that's why I sort of brought up all those photos and those uh, connections Tim Pool has with all sorts of these people. And that's my, that's my rundown of Tim Pool. I really want people to understand who this guy is for you to really get what we're about to listen to in these Joe Rogan clips. And before, one more thing before we get to these Joe Rogan clips is this clip from Tim Pool's own feed that was pulled from, uh, by Vic Berger. Completely unedited, I would like to say, because I know Tim Pool has a thing for Vic Berger and Vic Berger's edits where he basically just makes compilations of what these right-wingers actually say. He just edits them down so you don't deal with all their other ramblings. You just get to the crux of what really matters in terms of what they're saying. And he edits them together so people could get a comp- get these in a compilation. Because as we all know, these right-wing feeds, live streams where they talk about this stuff go on for hours and hours and hours. So usually you could miss out on these pull-out quotes that are really what's important. But here's a completely unedited clip I found where it was in TimCast, Tim, his YouTube, I should say his YouTube username is TimCast, Tim Pool's own video. But this is the cut clip, unedited, from Vic Berger. Someone says, is Alex Jones 100% fake news? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think Alex Jones is no different from any other partisan news website. 
Uh, I don't think Alex Jones makes things up. I just, you know, I would put InfoWars and Huffington Post in a similar bracket. Huffington Post is left, InfoWars is right. InfoWars has done a good job over the past several years of moving more into the mainstream, the more acceptable, and uh, they've gotten away from a lot of the crazier conspiracy stuff. But uh, so, so yeah, a lot of the stuff they put out now isn't uh, fake news, if you want to say that. I, I guess. Let's 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 parse what's going on here. Tim Pool is making the case that Alex Jones, the king of conspiracy theorists, is not peddling fake news. He's turn he's gone from conspiracy theory, which he used to do according to Tim, into mainstream journalism on par with Huffington Post. Um folks, that's bullshit. I don't know what else to say about that. It's straight up bullshit. Um Really, anyone, I think even people who listen to Alex Jones know that that's just not true. You could disagree with Huffington Post. You can say they report news with an agenda, but they're not making up shit wholesale. They just cover uh, stories in their vertical of leftist politics, right? Not even really leftist, because Huffington Post isn't leftist. They really, you know, center-left. I don't know. Some of the people there are progressive. Some of them are liberal. Some of them are probably centrist if you go through certain verticals, like probably their business vertical or very, I'm sure some of their straight-up politics vertical uh, writers are probably just straight-up, you know, independent in terms of whether they're Republican or Democrats. It's just straight up bullshit to do that. And the idea that Alex Jones moved from cons- conspiracy to, le- ger- to legit journalism because he went mainstream is a farce. What happened is Alex Jones pushed conspiracy theories his entire career. And then when Trump jumped in, he pushed conspiracies for Trump, jumped into the 2016 race just to be you know straight up here. He started pushing Trump. Trump became a fan, went on his show, which legitimized him as mainstream, because here you have a major candidate from a major party going on this conspiracy theorist show, which undoubtedly will push this guy into the mainstream view. He'll be covered by mainstream news publications. It doesn't mean he's still not peddling conspiracies, but that's who Tim Pool is. And... One last thing I'll say before we get to these Joe Rogan clips is that uh, if you're not familiar with him for Occupy, you might know of Tim because I believe it was in 2017. Uh, There was that whole uh, right-wing trope about no-go zones in European countries. Basically, Areas that, you know, gangs of Muslims basically took over in, you know, countries like Sweden, where it wasn't safe for non-Muslim white people to go into. And it was this constant trope pushed by the right. And other than right-leaning publications, there was really no evidence of this happening. And so Mr. Uh, Prison Planet, 
Paul Prison, Paul Joseph Watson, uh, basically put out this, I don't know what you can call it, a challenge, I guess, <clears throat> to any reporter to go to Sweden, visit these so-called no-go zones, and report from there. So Tim Pool took him up on this offer. I believe Tim Pool actually at this time was uh, able to fund his own trip. So he didn't take up in an effort to seem like an independent journalist. He didn't take uh, Watson's offer of uh, a full funding of this trip. But Tim Pool goes there and he pushes the idea that these no-go zones exist. And... He famously sort of put out this video of him being escorted by Swedish police from what Tim claimed to be an area that was so dangerous the police had to immediately evacuate him from the area. Uh, so this video comes out. Uh, the right wing loves it because it proves what they've been saying is right. And then Swedish police come out and debunk Tim Pool's uh, framing of what happened in the video. They claim that they shared this route with Tim. And it was a coincidence that they were going down this route. Excuse me, I meant to say a shared route, as in they were both going down this route together. At the same time, just a coincidence. And they never escorted him. There was no sort of police rushing to Tim's rescue saying, you have to get out of here. He just happened to appear at the same place as these police officers did. It's, you know, it's... He knows what's going to please these right-wingers. And so now let's get to these Joe Rogan clips. Now, all of you faithful doomed listeners know by now that I'm not very good at business in terms of promoting the podcast, promoting the YouTube channel. Uh, I'm still waiting from YouTube to get this channel monetized, even though I hit all their view and subscriber uh, uh, points. And this will probably hurt it because uh, I looked it up and Joe Rogan does... Uh, claim copyright on videos using his clips. But this is fair use. If you're a YouTube uh, monetization authorizer checking this channel out now to see if you should give me monetization, I am going to provide full-blown commentary for these short, most of them no longer than a minute, clips. Uh, I've gone through this three-and-a-half-hour Joe Rogan episode. I have cut clips from this three-and-a-half-hour Joe Rogan episode. And I'm going to provide commentary on these short clips in this, from this three-and-a-half-hour Joe Rogan episode. That is, in YouTube's terms, fair use. So I'm going to do that. Please don't hold this against me when you decide to monetize me or not. The f so let me let me set everything here too. I'm like, oh my god, it's like waiting a year for the last season of Game of Thrones here with me trying to get to these clips. So here's Joe Rogan inviting Tim Pool on to be his Twitter social media expert, talking with CEO of Twitter Jack Dorsey and Twitter's 
lead of trust and safety, legal and public policy, uh, Vijay Gatti. And I apologize to Vijay if I messed up her, her name. I attempted to phonetically spell it out when I listened to the podcast, but I'm already in the mode here and I'm, I don't always pronounce names right when I'm in this mode. <laughs> here it goes. This is Tim Pool, my first clip of Tim Pool arguing with Twitter on the Joe Rogan Experience podcast, the March 5th episode. So what you have, it, to me, it looks like the conservatives, to an extent, probably will try and mass flag people on the left. But from an ideological standpoint, you have the actual, you know, whatever people want to call it, sect of identitarian left that believe free speech is a problem, that have literally shown up in Berkeley burning free speech signs. And then you well, I just have to pause it there. Does he realize what he's saying? Mr. Free Speech Advocate, does he realize what he's saying? He thinks burning free speech signs that say free speech on it. I don't even know if Antifa, I've hope making free speech signs that just say free speech and burning them. But let's just say that's correct. That is free speech, buddy. Like, what is, what are, what are you arguing here? That burning free speech signs is somehow stopping free speech? That is free speech. But let's continue with this clip. Conservatives who are tweeting mean things. And the conservatives are less likely, in, in, I think it's uh, fair to point out, less likely to try and get someone else banned because they like playing off them. And the left is... That is hilarious. Because you can go right now and find, seriously, screenshot after screenshot after screenshot of all these sorts of uh, Twitter users who were criticizing Tim Pool and Joe Rogan live during the streaming of this episode who posted these screenshots of their tweets receiving uh, notices from Twitter saying users have complained about your tweets. Who do you think that's coming from? This is a, this is, there, there's, he's saying this off of nothing. It's just baseless speculation on his part because Mr. Centrist down the middle journalist actually has an ideology he's pushing. Give me a break. Is targeting them. So you end up having disproportionate. I feel like there are a lot of assumptions in what you're saying. And Thank I don't you. Know exactly. What basis Thank you're you. Those things. The, I mean, you have conservatives demanding free speech, and you have liberals. Uh, I shouldn't say liberals. You have what people refer to as the regressive left, calling for the restrictions on speech. You have these. I don't, I don't know what those terms mean. To be honest with you, we have people. Right. Right. They don't mean anything in terms of a social media company's policy. And I'm not here to defend Twitter. I've, you can look me up. I've got a long history of criticism of Twitter from full-on you know, written pieces. Uh, I've uncovered, uh, uh, I've, I personally have uncovered Twitter bot networks on, uh, on the, that platform, which I've written extensively about, uh, to just basically everyday social media posts. I have no love for Jack Dorsey and Twitter. But this is from, you know, straight up policy perspective. I don't hate them either. I'm neutral on them. I cover them. So I'm not out to get them, nor am I out to defend them. I agree with them when I think they are doing the right thing. 
based on factual information. And I disagree with them when I think they're doing the wrong thing based on factual information. It's that simple. All sides of the spectrum who believe in free speech. And I, I, I believe that to be the case. So your platform right. restricts speech. Our platform promotes speech unless people violate our rules. And in a specific direction. In any direction. But Uncle, oh, I don't want to say his name, the guy who calls for death gets a suspension. The guy who insinuates death gets a permanent ban. But Tim, you're... All right, so Tim Poole is obsessed with some guy who cursed at the Covington kids or wished them death or something like that. I can tell you right now that regardless of my opinion of the Covington kids, uh, you know, the kids who were in that video with the Native American at the Capitol building or wherever they were in D.C. I don't even remember. It meant I stayed out of that whole thing because it was something I had no interest in getting involved in. You can check if you don't believe me, any right-wingers listening to this or watching it. Look at my social media and I said really nothing about it. Um, I, I, I don't care, really. Do But if you're going to be someone on the left or right who harasses underage people... High school and under, obviously. Uh, and then throwing death threats at really anyone. I should say especially underage uh, kids. Uh, you shouldn't do that. I don't, it's, it's, it's that simple. There's no one who supports that shit. But Tim uses this person throughout. And I tried to go around it because it's really unimportant to the bigger conversation here. But that's his whole thing. And his other thing is he constantly comes back to Twitter banning the dead naming of transgender people, which is basically misgendering them or using uh, their name, their, their birth name instead of their chosen name. Um, this is really what conservatives are obsessed with. But let's continue here. You're misinterpreting what I'm saying, and I feel like you're doing exactly. it deliberately. It's not he about is. one particular thing. It's about a pattern and practice of violating and our rules. And you have a pattern and practice of banning only one faction of people. I don't agree Quillette with that. recently published an article where they looked at 22 high-profile banners from 2015 <laughs> and found 21 of them. He's even – he's using the magazine for the – for the uh, – the, the, uh, whatchamacallit, the freaking dark web, the IDW. The intellectual dark web. They've already fallen out of my head because those guys just really don't matter to me. Uh, as a group. They've sort of fallen as a group, haven't they? I haven't heard that name out there in a while. But anyway, he's using the magazine for the intellectual dark web. These right-wingers from Jordan Peterson to Dave Rubin, or classical liberal, Dave Rubin fans will say, it's right-wing ideologies. And he's using that to formulate his outlook. It's a, it's a joke. It's a joke. And I have to say, Twitter, Twitter's head of safety is doing a great job here as the head of what she is for the company. We're only on one side of the cultural debate. But I don't look at the political spectrum of people when exactly. I'm looking at their tweets. Right, you, you have a bias. You're biased and you're, you're targeting specific individuals because your rules support this perspective. No. Now, the outlook from right-wingers watching this interview, this three-and-a-half-hour-long podcast episode of Joe Rogan Experience, is that Tim Pool 
owned these people. And it's, it's groupthink. These people are in a bubble. There's no normal human being who watches that exchange and thinks that Tim Poole, who's getting all emotional, advocating for a specific side, is coming across as the smart one. Because this isn't, this, it, what's, what Tim Poole and the right are looking at this whole interview in a completely wrong manner. If this was a debate of a right winger versus a left winger, then someone making a case for their side would be whoever made the best case for their side, someone who is uh, truly independent of the left or the right would probably decide that person was the winner, whoever made the best case. The right wing would still think the right winger won. The left wing would probably still think the left wing run, won. And that's that. But he's not arguing with someone on a specific side. He's arguing with a company on their public policy, which anyone can see. And they're calmly explaining what their policy says. And throughout, they provide examples showing what policies were broken in each case of someone getting banned from the platform, completely in their right to do Twitter as a private company. They're not a government entity. That's not free, free speech only promises that the government, uh, guarantees that the government won't throw you in jail for speaking on the corner. You're allowed to say what you want in any public space. Twitter's not a public space. You want to argue that uh, tech companies and major co corporations like Google, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, uh, Microsoft, whatever, have a stronghold on all these sorts of avenues uh, on the internet for people to, to talk and they've become sort of mon monopolies in many ways. We can have that conversation. I'll agree with you in many aspects there. You won't find an argument from me. In many ways, though, you'll be critiquing capitalism. You'll be critiquing uh, private corporations. These are many things right-wingers actively avoid doing. But they're happy to attack the free speech issue when it's not a free speech issue. It's just, it really is amazing to see the bubble that the thought that's coming out of the bubble on the right on how this went she sounded completely legitimate pointed out publicized written statements that twitter has made to legitimize their positions and he's just throwing out shit that mean nothing the burning of free speech signs is some sort of proof that they're against free speech. Buddy, that is the most perfect example of free speech. Unbelievable. Now let's get to this clip of their complete obsession with the misgendering of individuals on Twitter. Obsessed with it. They need to do it. The right. It's a travesty if they can't harass transgender people. This is the second clip. So, okay, the background here is that there's a, a TERF, uh, it's a, basically a feminist 
who really shouldn't be called a feminist because they exclude trans people. They don't think trans women are women. Uh, this this turf, Megan Murphy, was banned from Twitter for harassing transgender people on the platform. She was misgendering them. Replying to them, misgendering them. Not just speaking in general terms on her Twitter. Literally tweeting at people who were trans to harass them by misgendering them and telling them, telling a trans woman that she is not a woman. Let's get to this clip. It is. So you have an argument between two people. Again. And you have a rule that enforces only one side of the ideology and you've banned only one of those people. We have a rule that attempts to address what we have perceived to be instances of abuse and harassment. I, I, but I she was saying and, it's your and, ideology. Right, but it is an ideology, right? If she's saying a man is never a woman, if that's what she's saying, and then biologically she's correct, we obviously have a debate here. Oh. This is not a clear cut this is not something like you can say water is wet, you know, this is dry. Oh it's, this God. is not like something. Listen, I'm not going to wade into this bullshit here with Joe Rogan. I'm not going to give Joe Rogan and Tim Poole uh, the pleasure of wading into this here. But what I will say is what I just said before. This isn't a debate. When you were adding people, replying to people on Twitter who have no interest in debating you. It's harassment. You can prove this is something where you you have to acknowledge that there's a, an understanding that yeah, their preferred pronouns, but biologically this is not accurate. So we have we that's can't have those viewpoints. It's that if you're taking those view, that's right, Joe. And I think what I'm trying to say is that it's not that you can't have those viewpoints. It's that if you're taking those viewpoints and you're targeting them at them at a specific person in a way that reflects your intent to abuse and harass them. But what if it's in the context of the conversation? What if she's saying that I don't think that trans women should be allowed in these female spaces to make decisions for women? And then this person's arguing and she says a woman is biologically female. Well, she, you are never going to be a woman. She responded with men aren't women, though. And that was her first in the series of events, that's what got her the suspension and the warning. Um, that was one of many tweets that right, was right. part of providing context, and that was right. actually the second, second, actually. Strike is my understanding. But, but why is that a strike? But yeah, why but, is that a strike? But, the, but again, like it's the context of I don't, I don't exactly. have all the tweets in front of me. There were like 10 or 12 tweets going back and forth. Mm -hmm. And my understanding is that in the context of all of those, she was misgendering a particular person. Right. Not that, that is the Twitter policy. You can have this debate about transgender people all you want on Twitter. If you at someone, which goes into their mentions, so they're forced to see it, and this person's transgender, and you misgender them, you dead name them, that is what's against Twitter policy. It is considered harassment. It's clear cut. It's very simple. You can be as transphobic as you want on Twitter if you're just tweeting out to your followers without adding anyone or mentioning anyone specific. You cannot attack people who are trans with transphobic terminology on Twitter. That's, that's the policy. End of, end of discussion. There's nothing more to it. That's their choice to do that. And Ben Shapiro shared this clip out saying Twitter's position is complete horseshit. Uh, well, there you go. Ben Shapiro uh, giving why Twitter's position is complete horseshit by just saying Twitter's position is complete horseshit. I mean, it's just completely ridiculous.
And it's that is what they constantly they constantly go back to the misgendering issue throughout this entire this entire conversation. They just they can't get over it. That to them is the conservative bias. If you are transphobic, apparently, that's I'm sorry. If you're a conservative, you must be transphobic. And there's and there that's there. That is really what they're arguing here. If you perceive transphobic language directed as an individual. As the censor, as censorship of conservative ideals or discussion, then you're saying a lot about conservatism on your own. It's it's that simple. Like you are really uh, doing a, a disservice to conservatism uh, if you can possibly do that at this point on your own. I mean, no one's got to do that for you. Perceiving the ability to not misgender someone in a harassing way as conservative censorship, really, it, that that says a lot. It says a lot. I, I, I don't know what else. I, I, I'm speechless when I'm like, I'm sort of, so many thoughts going through my mind. I just don't know what to say about that. It's just, it's a joke. Let's play one more. And this came from a Twitter uh, a, a Twitter user called the Surfs, and again, I checked this clip out. It's from unedited from the Joe Rogan podcast. This episode, and this says a lot about Joe Rogan here. I mean, listen, Joe Rogan's a comedian. He's an MMA commentator. He hosts an extremely popular podcast. Um, you could argue Joe Rogan is. Just talking to these individuals. You can argue he's sympathetic to these individuals. I agree he is quite sympathetic to the individuals. Just look at the guest list. I would say for every, what, 20 to 30 conservatives he has on the show, maybe he has a, a, left, a left-leaning individual like Jenk from the Young Turks. And listen, if you have a mainstream outlet, if you have any outlet, it's your choice to have one whoever you want. Whoever you want. Fine, it's his show. Whatever. But if you are claiming you're not a right-winger and right-wingers come on your show and spew total bullshit and you not only agree with... And you not only not push back on it, but you agree with them a lot of the time, then I don't know what else to say. I don't know what to call you. Like, what, where, where are you, what are you trying to do here, buddy? Just let individuals talk? Cool. But when they're spouting bullshit, you should push... Excuse me, push back. And there's been studies that prove that on YouTube, at the very least, Joe Rogan's show is a gateway drug into the alt-right for many young men. They start listening to the Joe Rogan experience. YouTube's recommendation algorithm pushes the people watching Joe Rogan's show to similar videos, which happen to be right-wing alt-right videos, and they fall down the rabbit hole viewing all these videos, and they become uh, fringe right-wingers. He amplifies their voices. So let's let's get to this clip from the surfs. This is more Joe Rogan than Tim here. But again, it says a lot about where they're coming from and what their understanding of the issues are. 
This is the third clip here. Excuse me. All right, here we go. Well, then you have Ben Shapiro who did his research and doesn't believe it. Yeah, and, and I relied on the American Association of Pediatrics and uh, you know Human Rights Council and other. And I'm sure he has his sources too for when he gives his statements. The point is, but you I, have but equally. But I just wonder if they have that context. I and, mean, and that's and that's where we have also failed. It's, it's as it's, well as just explaining the why behind a lot of I, our, our I, policy and reasons. I, I would agree, and I think it's fine. You did research and you found this to be true. But we can't simply say maybe Ben Shapiro and the other conservatives who feel this way don't know. We have to, we, we can't. Yes, we can. Because you yourself just admitted you don't know because you didn't look into it. You just assume Ben Shapiro is operating on good faith here. That's a real centrist, independent, journalistic take down the middle right there, right? Tim Pool, just assuming that Ben Shapiro's views on uh, transgender people is seeped in scientific or medical research. Whereas Twitter is telling you that their policy is based on scientific and medical research. And if you just look it up, actually, you can see the actual sources, the legitimate sources, which I'll get to in a second, that they base their policy on and sh and again to her credit Vija was is ready and she name drops exactly some of the sources that she gets from that based that she bases the twitter policy on you know the point i'm trying to make is it's it's simply whether you believe it whether you justified or not is not the point the point is you do you do have this rule that rule is at odds with conservatives period well i think I think that you're you're generalizing, but I think it is really important, as Jack said, to the why behind these things. The why is to protect people from abuse and harassment on our platform. I understand, but you essentially created a protected class if this is the case, because despite these studies and what you know these studies are showing, there's a gigantic suicide rate amongst trans people. True, it's that part 40%. is true. It's it's, it's very high among the trans community. Now, whether that is because of gender dysphoria, whether it's because of the complications from sexual surgery, sexual transition surgery, whether it's because of bullying, whether it's because of this awful feeling of being born in the wrong gender, whether that all that is yet to be determined. Mm -hmm. The fact that they whoa, here we go again with Joe Rogan just assuming here, like Tim Pool is. It is not yet to be determined. There is research, well-respected scientific medical research, that can tell you why, what is the source of, what is the reason behind the suicide rates among the transgender community being what they are. And one of those very sources is one of the very sources that Twitter bases their misgendering policy on. A study last year published by Pediatrics, the flagship journal of the American Academy of Pediatrics. This study found that the suicide rate among transgender, the suicide attempt rate among transgender people ranges from 32 to 50 percent across multiple countries. Gender-based victimization, discrimination, bullying, violence, being rejected by the family, friends, and community of these individuals 
harassment by intimate partners, family members, police, and the public at large, and discrimination and ill treatment at healthcare facilities are the major risk factors that influence the suicide behavior among transgender people. We know why this happens. And Twitter looked it up and researched it and based their policy on this because they don't want their trans users to end up committing suicide due to targeted harassment campaigns at these individuals because they're trans. It's very simple. They're looking out for their users. It's not a leftist bias. They're caring for their customers, if you want to use that term, as if they're a business that has a customer in that sort of way. Yes, Twitter's free to use. It's that simple. They don't want trans people to leave the platform in droves because they're a company, a business. It's not that difficult. It's like, this is the intellectual right? This is what the right wing thinks is smart? Just feigning ignorance and being dumb? And again, Twitter's policy that this is based on is only when it comes to mentioning, replying, uh, harassing specific individuals. Ben Shapiro can say, can say, trans women aren't really women. All he would like, just like that. That sentence, tweet, no mention, no reply, no naming someone. He can do that all he'd like if that's what is the core values of conservatism. If not being able to do that ruins conservatism, then Ben Shapiro can wipe the sweat from his forehead and know that he's free to continue to do that. It's just really... It's just... It's just unbelievable. And then let's get to this next clip. This is Tim Pool on the learn to code harassment that Twitter came down on. Now, I had uh, Talia, aka Chicken Kiev, on this show. Uh, she's been a target of the right on Twitter, and she was a target of the hashtag learn to code harassment campaign. And. If you want to know more about that uh, that whole thing, go back to that episode in the Doomed Archives and look it up. I'm playing this clip, not to bring that up, but to prove that Tim Pool operates in bad faith, A, or B, he's a terrible journalist who doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about. Let's play this clip. This is clip four. All right. But let's talk about learn to code, right? And, and why are people being suspended for t tweeting hashtag learn to code? Yep. We'd they're not being tweeted. They're not being suspended just for tweeting that. You can hashtag learn to code all you like. Go to Twitter. You'll f search hashtag learn to code. You will find an endless array of tweets with that hashtag. Both earnestly 
talking about learning to code, becoming a developer, and right-wingers talking about it, or trolls talking about it. You can tweet learn to code on Twitter. We did some research on this. Yes, we did some research on this. Um, so there was a, a situation, in, I guess, about a month ago or so, where uh, a number of journalists were receiving a variety of tweets, um, some containing uh, learn to code, some containing uh, a bunch of other um, coded language that was wishes of harm. These were thousands and thousands of tweets being directed at a handful of journalists. And we did some research, and what we found was uh, a number of the accounts that were engaging in this behavior, which is tweeting at the journalists with this either learn to code or things like day of the rope and other coded language, uh, were actually um, ban evasion accounts. That means accounts that had been previously suspended. Something that Twitter would know about, that conservatives wouldn't, that if they probably reached out to, if they were actually doing reporting on this, they could reach out to Twitter and get an official statement from them. I've done it before. Contact press at twitter.com. Get an official statement from Twitter about the issue. Sometimes they can't divulge certain information. Clearly, they're opening up about it. They could have got been told exactly why these accounts were being banned. But let's continue here. We also learned that there was a targeted campaign being organized off our platform to abuse and harass these journalists. That's not true. That's so see, see, here's the thing. An activist who works for... N he is... He's got no idea what he's talking about, or he's being disingenuous on purpose. That is absolutely the truth. You can look it up. It was a... It was a harassment campaign started on 4chan. There's the screenshots. There's the archived pages of 4chan that literally sparked this whole thing. With 4chan trolls and users going on and on about talking about all the sorts of accounts they used to spread this. And then what happens nowadays is that the right wing is in love with 4chan because a lot of 4chaners are just right wing trolls now. Trump supporting right wing trolls. So what happens is the 4chan set creates these harassment campaigns and they go out and disperse and carry them out on Twitter, Facebook, whatever. And then mainstream right wingers who may or may not be on 4chan or 8chan or these other troll uh, uh, adjacent forums see these right-wing uh, uh, supporting accounts harassing these journalists or leftists or feminists or whatever, and they pile on and jump on into it. It doesn't matter they weren't involved with the original harassment campaign. They know where it's coming from. They know what they're doing. They know what they're a part of. Give me a break here, buddy. If, if a group of people go out and riot in the streets and they, they, they decided to, to, they got together before, a group of 10 people got together beforehand and decided to get together and riot in the streets. They planned it out and people saw them rioting and joined in. Those people who joined in don't get a pass if police, you know, pick them all up. Maybe they won't get charged with the same crimes, you know, the, the crime of planning it or conspiratorial uh, charges, whatever it may be. But they will get charged with the same crime that they took part in. And the policy here is that you, you cannot harass people on Twitter. 
And if you join in a targeted harassment campaign, you are harassing somebody. It's so simple. He wrote that story and then lobbied you. You issued an official statement. And then even the editor-in-chief of the Daily Caller got a suspension right, he goes for tweeting. On, he, go, he goes on that what happened was NBC wrote about the harassment campaign. And that is what pushed Twitter to do something. Uh, Twitter comes out and says that, no, that's not what happened. We didn't even see the NBC article. You can believe them or not. It doesn't matter. The point is their policy existed about this sort of thing before the NBC article. They didn't need NBC to tell them about it. It's just so disingenuous. Is there anything, is there anything more in this clip to even listen to? Other coded language that we have seen to mean um, death to journalists. So it wasn't about just the learn to code. It was about the context that we were seeing. Can we seeing. come on? That's, that's just not true. Is, that's just not true. The editor-in-chief of the Daily Caller was suspended for tweeting nothing but hashtag learn to code. So, Tim, can I, can I finish what I was saying? Yeah. So we were looking at the context, <laughs> and what was happening is there were journalists receiving hundreds of tweets. Some had death threats. Some had wishes of harm. Some just learned to code. And in that particular context, we made a decision. We consider this this type of behavior dogpiling, which is when all of a sudden individuals are getting tons and tons of tweets at them. They feel very abused and harassed on the Can platform. We... Yeah, so it's pretty simple here what's going on. Twitter is explaining it as straightforward as possible, and Tim Pool is purposely being obtuse about it. It's It's not that hard. Let's go to this next clip. All right, here we start to get into specifics. And this, to me, is actually interesting on the Twitter angle. And my colleague Carissa at Mashable wrote about this. Very interesting on Twitter's end. Twitter long had a policy where they don't speak about individual bans or individual accounts that they suspend or take action about. Uh, looks like that's not the policy anymore. <laughs> they, in numerous clips, I'm about to play for you. They go well into specifics about certain accounts and why they took action against them. Let's, I mean, good. I'm glad that's a change. More transparent. That's great. Uh, hopefully, they decided that this change would uh, come about uh, before going on the Joe Rogan show. We are to choose to decide to do this on the Joe Rogan show, but that's fine. That's fine. As long as we get this transparency, I'm cool with it. Let's get to this. Uh, let's get to this clip. It is clip number. Or this is about Milo. Twitter starts talking about Milo and why he was banned. <coughs> Violations of our. And then rules. you have people. Second, I have to fast forward to a point. All right, here we go. They are just okay. so we can have all the facts on the table right. and then we can it. debate them. And then the last one, we found um, a bunch of things that he posted that we viewed as incitement of uh, abuse against Leslie Jones. So all right. So Tim Poole goes on about Milo and Alex Jones being banned. In fact, let me rewind this and come back to this part, point in a minute. All right. Here's Tim Poole and Joe Rogan. Violations of our and then rules. you have people like Milo, who is mean to a person, and you delete, you banned him permanently. Excuse me. This guy just clar 
misclassified what Milo Yiannopoulos did to Leslie Jones on Twitter as being mean to a person. That's I don't know how you can view this guy and think he doesn't have some sort of agenda. It's a fucking joke. There's a little more to that. Actually, Tim, let's talk about it. Thank you, Joe Rogan. Thank you, Joe Rogan. When even Joe Rogan's correcting you there. It's a little bit more than that, Tim Poole. I'm happy to talk about Milo, and I actually brought um, the tweets because— Well, so, so let's, let's preface that by saying the point I want to make sure is clear is that you had somebody who actively called for the death of people. I understand the context issue. Maybe he's talking about video games. Context but, and scale. And scale. So this is a verified user. And, and that's just the complexity in, in acting. It, so, it's so, not, not an excuse for why we didn't do it in a particular time. Right, right. But, and then when uh, you, there, there, there are a lot of other examples, too, right. that get into more egregious areas that mm-hmm. uh, I've, I've prepared. So here we have someone with over 20,000 followers. He's verified oh, here he numerous times, incites guy. his followers oh, to commit God. a crime against these kids. He obsesses the action over the taken same against one or him two is facts delete the tweets, you get a suspension, you get time out. Then you have people like Alex Jones, who berated a CNN reporter, permanently banned. You get Milo Yiannopoulos, he was mean, but, permanently banned. But that's your impression. That's not what happened. Okay. And right, right. Everything Tim Pool is portraying here is in Tim Pool's mind what the reality is it's not the actual reality alex jones wasn't banned from twitter for harassing a cnn journalist alex jones repeatedly broke twitter policy i don't know how else to explain it when every other uh when every other online platform decided that alex jones uh alex jones broke their policy rules they immediately banned him because of what he did on those platforms Twitter gave Alex Jones so many extra chances. Twitter was the last major platform to ban Alex Jones after everyone else already did because they kept saying, all right, this is just one strike or okay, this wasn't on our platform. What he said was on another platform so we can't carry out the ban based on our policies because it wasn't on our platform. It's just unbelievable, this guy, Tim Pool. It's, it's ridiculous. And the idea that Milo didn't have number of chances. He was suspended, I believe, more than once. Temporary suspensions. He had his Twitter verification removed, meaning he was no longer verified, verified on Twitter for breaking certain Twitter policy rules associated with being a verified user. But they allowed him to stay on the platform. They gave this guy so many chances And Tim Pool is just going to pretend he was mean to somebody on Twitter. Oh, he, he hurt someone's fifis and got banned. Give me a break, you fucking idiot. Like, what a joke. Like, how do you, how do you comprehend that? Say that like, listen, if you want to say that st- stuff, fine. Again, fr- you're free to say it. I don't mind it. You can speak lie all you want it's a free country do whatever the fuck you want buddy but don't lie about who you are and what you're pushing you have a specific ideological bent you're carrying water for these fringe right wingers and you're trying to pretend you aren't grow a set seriously if you're going to take advantage of the, and be a right-wing grifter and do the grift, then don't pretend. Then, then at least owe it to your right-wing funders, your right-wing fans who donate money to you and, and fund you on your YouTube subscriptions or whatever. 
owe it to them at least to stand up for what they believe in and not only what you say and do, but with the label as well. You do a disservice to any actual... Listen, there are plenty of legitimate journalists out there who have right-wing fans. Glenn Greenwald is a great example. I love Glenn Greenwald. There are certain positions he has that are hardcore, the civil libertarian that's gained him right-wing fans. He goes on Fox News. He goes on Tucker Carlson. You could have your opinion about that. I agree with some of it, disagree with some of it. But I'm a fan of Glenn Greenwald's work. You can tell that Glenn Greenwald is someone who has certain opinions about something. He's no right-winger. But on those certain things, there's overlap with what right-wingers and someone with Glenn Greenwald's ideology, ideology, excuse me, believe. That's fine. Because Glenn also goes on tons of leftist shows. It's that mix that I was telling you about. If you're legit. Listen, even Michael Tracy, who rightly gets tons of shit for sort of building this alt-right fan base, even Michael Tracy comes out and says, you know, this stuff is bullshit every now and then. Even he goes up against what these right-wingers are pushing every now and then. And just like Michael Tracy, I should say, Tim Poole just today was followed by Donald Trump Jr., which should really, again, we're talking about guilty by association. It's the company you keep. And when so many people of one side are rushing towards you and you don't have that mix on the other side, then clearly you're just holding water for one side. Listen, there's no, there's no, on my end, there's no doubt about it. I, I, I let it, as, it's as clear as can be, I'm a leftist. Everything I say deals in facts. I use those facts to basically advocate for what I believe. If the facts don't weigh out for like don't weigh in my direction, I don't advocate for that thing because it's not something I could support. It's 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 really simple. You can be you could be an activist journalist. You just got to be upfront about it. All right, let's get back to this um, clip of why my violations of our And then you have people still. T- All right, here we go. On the table, right, and then we can it. debate them. And then the last one, we found um, a bunch of things that he posted that we viewed as incitement of uh, abuse against Leslie Jones. So there's a bunch of them, but the one that I like to uh, look at, which really convinced me, is he posted two doctored tweets that were supposedly by Leslie Jones. They were fake tweets. Um, the first one said, white people are getting on my nerves. Like, how can you call yourself human? And then the second one said, um, the goddamn uh, slur for a Jewish person at Sony ain't paid me yet. Damn, Bix nude better pay up. 
So this was just a fake tweet that someone had photoshopped. So Joe Rogan pretends that, oh, poor Milo fell for a fake tweet Photoshop. But then Vijay, again, very good at this. She follows it up with, actually, there were tweets where Milo made it quite clear that he knew that these tweets weren't real. And he still used it to force this harassment campaign on Leslie Jones. It's 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 not some sort of hard to understand a dynamic going on here. Let's get to another clip. <coughs> All right, here's Twitter executives. Uh, that's the name of the clip. All right, Twitter executives on decision to ban. All right, cool. All right, here's Tim Poole on Jacob Wall, who was just banned from Twitter. Uh, they'll tell you. I, I don't know if you have any data on why Jacob Wall was recently banned. Do you have that? Uh, um, I believe. Who is Jacob Wall? He's a, I don't know how to describe him. He's a conservative personality, but he's very, very uh, controversial for like fake news or something. I, I don't know too much about him, so I don't want to accuse him of things because I don't know who he is. But he was uh, he was in some thing where he tried accusing Mueller of like sexual assault, and it turned out to be like a f- just completely fake, ridiculous. What a disingenuous hack this guy is. First, he brings up Jacob Wall. Uh, he wants to bring up Jacob Wall to get information from Twitter on why Jacob Wall was banned. But then he concedes he's got no idea who Jacob Wall is. So, buddy, what are you trying to fact check? What are you trying to get out of Twitter here? You don't know who he is. So, what are you going to debunk from them? What are you going to try? What are you going to go up against them for? You just want, okay, let's just say he just wants information about Jacob Wall. He's conceding he doesn't know anything about Jacob Wall. Twitter, can you inform me why this Jacob Wall guy was banned? Fine, let's say that's where he's going. But that's not where he's going. Because then he goes ahead and says, oh, Jacob Wall's a conservative personality. All right, so you know who he is. But then he claims, I don't know too much about him. Fine, but you know he's a conservative personality. And then he brings up that Jacob Wall created a fake story about sexual assault allegations against Robert Mueller that Tim Pool even admits is completely made up. It was completely fabricated. So A, Tim Pool knows exactly who Jacob Wall is. He's a lying huckster. He's a fake news peddler. He's just a far-right conspiracy theorist. But Tim doesn't want to malign him that way because he doesn't know too much about him but he knows like the main thing that everyone really knows Jacob Wall for if they do know who Jacob Wall is. This guy is a like what what? This is who conservatives are raving about Tim Pool? This is a gentleman that was in the USA Today article where yes. he admitted that he was going to he had uh, use tactics in the past to influence the election, and he will continue to do so using all of his channels. Yes. There you go. Shouldn't even need to go any further. Twitter, Jacob Wall, went on in a mainstream publication, explained what he was going to do to basically swing the election. 
he was going to break Twitter's policy and try to influence how people voted or felt about candidates by portraying himself as someone who he is not, which again, against their terms, there you go. And Twitter can use that information to go, hey, this guy's openly like bragging about it. Let's look into his accounts. And they found all these fake sock puppet accounts that previously had done this, connected to his account, whether it's through, I believe they said phone, uh, uh, similar uh, uh, phone numbers for verification or IP address. And there you have it. That's why he was banned. So and when we saw that report, our team um, looked at his account. We noticed there, there were multiple accounts yep. tied to his account, so uh, fake accounts uh, that he had uh, created uh, that were discussing uh, political uh, issues uh, and uh, pretending uh, to uh, be uh, other people um, from other perspectives. How do you find that out? Um, we would have phone numbers linking accounts yep, together yep. or mm-hmm. email addresses, mm-hmm. in some cases IP addresses, other types of metadata that are associated mm-hmm. with accounts so we can link those accounts mm-hmm. together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Seems pretty straightforward. Seems pretty simple. It's exactly what I just said. I mean, and so Tim Pool basically brings up Jacob Wall, who he knows nothing about, uh, to bring up this gotcha question to Twitter, which isn't a gotcha. And no one in their right mind would think this is a gotcha, except again for people in the right wing bubble. Here's this next clip. Did you investigate Jonathan Morgan? I, I don't know who that is. Why? That's that's the important question. Why? I, I don't I don't know who that is. Well, that's that's, that's I, it. So, may be that someone at Twitter investigated him. I personally don't know who that so, is. So, uh, do you know this random fucking person? I'm just going to bring up. Just randomly pulling this guy out of you know, out of 125 million monthly active users. Do you know this random one individual who really didn't get mainstream attention? Isn't a somebody? Isn't an on-screen sort of political personality, pundit, or celebrity of any sort. Uh, Do you know uh, any random schmuck? I'm just going to name. Huh. Interesting you don't know that. Why? What just... Just just ridiculousness. One of of the issues that uh, I think is really important to get to is you should know who he is. He's more important mm, I mean, than Jacob Wall is. But for some reason, you know about this conservative guy and not the Democrat who, who helped meddle in the, the Alabama election. Well, so, Jonathan, this, this, uh, according well, to, to just the New York... Just the sheer volume that they have to pay attention to. Right, right, fairness. right. Thank but you, Joe. It's, it's about grains of sand making a heap in the flow of a direction where we can see Jacob Wall... Wait, what? Wait, what did he just say? Like sands through the hourglass. These are the days of our lives. Jeez. Tim Pool getting all waxing poetic over here. It's a good way to sound smart when you, get, when you know nothing about what you're talking about. So I, on the other hand, specifically covered this Jonathan Morgan issue that he's talking about. And basically there is this political intelligence firm uh, called New Knowledge that this Jonathan Morgan is the CEO of. And they do various different types of political work. And some of it includes um, intelligence on sort of foreign influence campaigns, uh, Russian uh, Russian uh, 
connected accounts, uh, stirring up sort of disinformation, uh, stirring up trouble by uh, you know disinformation, misinformation, fake news, propaganda, whatever. And Jonathan Morgan also received some sort of funding from a number of individuals, including the founder of LinkedIn, to do work sort of separate from new knowledge, but because of who Jonathan Morgan is, it's still sort of connected to new knowledge. Um, And what happened here is they did partake in testing out influence campaigns during the Senate election in Alabama versus uh, with uh, feature uh, with uh, Roy Moore and uh, Doug Jones, and incredibly stupid on their part, incredibly wrong. I covered it; was incredibly critical of them. Uh, I don't know how uh, you know you can write about their future reports on this sort of things without adding this addendum. Honestly, so I'm no sympathizer with what they did. You are well within your right and should criticize what they did. But Jonathan Morgan's in some sort of name. He didn't go out there and publicly do it as himself. He was working for a group. And what it turned out is that, that alone, this is in context, that alone doesn't make it right, obviously. I just said I'm critical of it myself. But what happened here is... Facebook was able to prove Jonathan Morgan was involved with this stuff. There was a direct link. Most of this influence campaign that they did in this Alabama election was Facebook-related. And so they banned the accounts on Facebook. On Twitter, however, the only thing that's been discovered from that campaign is that fake accounts were created. They followed Roy Moore... And the accounts were supposed to look like they were Russian accounts or Russian-related accounts so that news stories could come out about Russian foreign influence supporting Roy Moore. Now, this guy, Jonathan Morgan, has basically fessed up to the Facebook end of things but says that the Twitter stuff, he doesn't know how that happened. He wasn't involved with it. Twitter themselves looked into it and banned the sock puppet fake accounts, but could not find the connection to Jonathan Morgan. Again, this wasn't done under Jonathan Morgan's name like it was for Jacob Wall. It was done under this secondary, this this third-party group, which means it's totally possible staffers of this group did this stuff without Morgan's knowledge. I'm just, that's just, according to Twitter, this this speculation could be what? According to what Twitter found, the speculation could be what happened. But Twitter did not ban his personal account because they could not connect it to those accounts. Twitter explains it to him. It's it's really that simple. I I don't know what else to say to to debunk it for these guys. They're going to still go on about it. They're not going to believe it. Let's move on. So... All right, here we go. We're getting to the last few clips here. My good pal Sargon of Akkad, Carl Benjamin, comes up. And for all you don't know, back in 2015, 2013, 2014, 2015, uh, I was a real somebody to the right. 
They did not like me whatsoever, primarily because of Gamergate. Sargon of Akkad specifically had real issues with me, and there's probably about, I want to say, four or five 10 to 20 minute videos out there created by Sargon of Akkad uh, focusing on yours truly. I live in his head rent free. And just want to get that out there, full disclosure. So, Sargon of Akkad's been banned from Twitter. And this comes up, obviously, in their list of all the poor conservatives who were banned on Twitter. But as you'll see here, like you saw in all the other ones, they're not being banned for being conservative. They just happen to be conservatives who are being banned for egregiously breaking Twitter's policies. Let's get to that clip right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so I think there's, there's a there's a. a Let's fast forward it to the interesting part. Really? Good for you. Oh, I so then it. why would... Because it would happens in my feed all the time. I, I follow a couple naughty girls, and occasionally they, they post well, pictures so, of themselves. Well, Twitter mentioned, by the way, Jack Dorsey mentions how porn is not banned on Twitter, which came as a shock to these Twitter experts. Well, Joe Rogan agrees he's not a Twitter expert, but Tim Pool was shocked that porn is not breaking Twitter's policy. Uh, have you ever used Twitter? It's actually one of the reasons why people in the adult entertainment industry, um, sex workers, uh, use Twitter more than other sexual, uh, social networks because Twitter is fine with that material on the platform. And good for Twitter for doing that. There shouldn't be anything wrong with it. Engaging in intercourse, I'm like, yikes. So then uh, why, what, what else were what the other strikes for Sargon or oh, Carl? Um, let's see. Um, there was the use of uh, a Jewish slur. Um, How do you use it? Uh, to a person, you traitor, remainer, white genocide supporting, Islamophile, Jewish slur lover. That should keep you going. Hashtag Hitler was right. But but these oh, aren't that, general opinions. These are targeted. These are targeted at somebody. That that sounds mm, like okay, he's being boy. like he's making a joke. Sir, yeah. Sir, <laughs> Can you believe that? Really? Hmm. He added someone calling them... Uh, by the way, the Jewish slur is most likely the K-word. I think they actually specify at some point the K-word. Um, you, 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 you're going you're gonna to really say that all that, that complete uh, profanity, slur-infested screed... Targeted at someone is a joke. Yikes is correct, Brian, in the YouTube live chat. In context, it sounds like the other one. Like, in context, what he's saying, particularly the fact that he's a white guy, that doesn't sound like a a racial slur at all. I mean, he's saying fuck white people, and he is white. In context, again, these are tied together. I, I always knew that person was not to be trusted, that fucking... Jewish slur. Oh, so there's and a so lot. Saying there's a bunch of a very specific person. He's targeting. He's this being very, very trying to be very provocative. And he's saying this I, about, I know, He's just being provocative, according to Tim Pool. Just, he's being provocative. At least, at least I guess that Tim, Joe Rogan needed that second tweet to really bring it home for him. But otherwise, it's just prov- provocative. 
Ness. He's a provocateur. According to Tim Pool. Come on. A specific Jewish person? I, I don't know. The... I take that back about Joe Rogan. Apparently, if he's calling someone who isn't Jewish the K-word, it might possibly be okay. It's what I'm reading out of this. I don't want to misconstrue it. It's what I'm reading out of this. Maybe it's not what he meant, but it sounds like it. Based of this person, I'm sorry. Right. And this is not, okay, but this is not. Yeah, like what, you know, I looked it up. He's wearing a yarmulke. He sounds like, you know, he sounds like a Jew. Yeah. What, what, what did they think they were going to say? What, what, <laughs> what, 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 how would he, she know that? His name was Mattis Yahoo, you know. He was celebrating Hanukkah. We found the pictures on his Twitter feed. I mean, come on now. This is not parody. This is not joking well, around. We didn't view it that way. I'm just okay. telling. I'm not trying to like relitigate all this. I'm just telling I, you what they were. So you. Can- I I knew he had done things that were like egregious violations of the rules because you know, plain and simple. I didn't bring him up to you know go through it and try and figure out if he. But that it, it does sound like at least the first one was meant to be a, a critique joke. of yeah. your. So um, potentially. To be fair, they're talking about a first one that was that I didn't play. That it was the same. It was he was brought white genocide and all that. I'm trying not to play more than like a minute and a half of each of these separate clips because I don't want the um, to be called out by YouTube for using too much for fair use or whatever. I'm really working hard here to make sure this is fair use material. So let's move on to the next clip. I think we understand why Carl. Of Akkad, Mr. Carl Sagarn of Akkad was a uh, band from Twitter, right? And they bring up, by the way, later on that uh, Tim at least brings up that Sargon's really toned himself down. He's not as angry anymore. And is there any way to to come back from that? And Twitter brings up how they're looking into possibly policies where, you know, bands aren't a lifetime ban for people who have changed and want to come back to the platform and promise to follow. The policy rules. And you know what? I'm actually supportive of that. I think that's fine. There should be a, 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 a no strikes rule, by the way, for those individuals where they are invited back and they uh, they break that policy and that's it. Gone again. No no second chances that, that second time around. But I agree. Uh, you know, who knows how long these companies are going to be around. <coughs> I don't know if these specific individuals will change, but people do change over years. So I'm I'm open to that. I'm a completely level-headed individual, and I think that that sounds like a good idea as long as it's carried out in a uh, safe and productive manner to all the users on Twitter. Uh, and let's go to this next clip where we get to... Now, this is the interesting stuff. This is the last of the main clips. This is where they defend... Uh, and this is... This is the most insane stuff. Part of it to me, uh, it's towards the end of the uh, the uh, their their podcast, and maybe I should have pushed it to the front because it's pretty crazy. But here is their thoughts on Gavin McGinnis, the former disgraced, well, the disgraced former founder of Vice, co-founder of Vice. Uh, he is the. Uh, founder of the Proud Boys Gang. We got a few short clips about this here. Let's get to this now. 
I'm going to jump. Let's get to the good part. It's not true. That's not true. No. Okay. No, that's not true. Yeah, you know, so, the Proud but, Boys started out as a joke. Gavin McGinnis, uh, Anthony Cumia, who was a part of Opie and Anthony, now it's his own show, to- told me about it. It happened on his show because there was a guy that was on the show and they made a joke about starting a gang based on him because he was a very effeminate guy and they would call him the Proud Boys. And um, they went into detail about how this thing became from a joke and saying that you could join the Proud Boys and everyone was, you know, it was like being silly to people joining it and then it becoming this thing to fight Antifa and then becoming infested with white nationalists and becoming this thing. Well, in in, in many ways it it was, but it's been documented how it started and what it was and misrepresented as to why, I, why it was started. I, 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 I think there's some things that should be clarified about them, but Gavin has made a bunch of... <sighs> Again, eh, just joking. It's all a joke. I mean, look at what they've done. It's not really the beatings on people in the streets, counter-protesters who were not engaging in violence, the uh, various... I mean, you've had Proud Boys arrested at all sorts of events, all sorts of gatherings all across the country. It doesn't seem like a joke to me. And in a turn of events, Tim Pool is the one here who uh, brings a little bit of a reality check to Joe Rogan. And again, like I see, I'm very fair. Tim Pool uh, has a moment of clarity here. Statements that cross the line. He claims, yes. he claims to be joking. And so that's... that's well, he did on my podcast. He, he was talking to me about Antifa, <laughs> that when Antifa was blocking people like Ben Shapiro's speeches and things along those lines and stopping conservatives from speaking, you should just just punch them in the face. We're going to have to start kicking people's asses. Right. And I was like, well, this is irresp- not just irresponsible, but foolish and short... Well, those Antifa things were all just civil disobedience. I mean, it's up to these venues to provide security to make sure that these sort of things don't happen. I mean, they weren't getting on stage and physically attacking Ben Shapiro. They weren't. There wasn't like a beatdown on Ben Shapiro. I mean, there was a call to shut down Ben Shapiro's speech. There wasn't a call to uh, kick the shit out of Ben Shapiro. There was protest action, a call to protest Ben Shapiro's speech. And in response to those protests, the Proud Boys called to literally commit acts of violence against those protesters. Those aren't the equivalent at all, Joe Rogan. What are you what are you talking about? A lot of those protests happened on college campuses. This wasn't like Antifa in some park or marching down the streets or or you know uh Seattle throwing Starbucks uh, throwing uh bricks through Starbucks windows or some shit. This is college students for the most part protesting on their campuses. And yes, Antifa shows up and takes part in those protests with those college students. And yes, sometimes these protests do get out of hand and the civil disobedience does become, you know, property damage and physical violence in that regard. But there was never an outright call to arms to harm Ben Shapiro. It's just straight up disingenuous to say that. It's just not true verifiably false. Let's get to the next part of this clip. I'm going to jump right off into a different... 
and it's gonna restart a few times, but I know exactly where I'm gonna go. Selves. There, you know, so uh, and I should point out that they they decided to call for violence based on Antifa calling for violence, and yeah. based on Antifa actually actively committing violence against conservative people that were there. There we go again. What what is Joe Rogan trying to argue here? First of all, why is this argument happening to Twitter? They're arguing about things that happen off of the platform to try to convince Twitter that they're being biased against conservatives who are breaking their rules on the platform. It doesn't make any sense. And Joe, Joe, what is he, a child here with this argument? He hit me first, so I hit him back. That's his argument? Again, completely disingenuous because there were no calls to violence against Ben Shapiro or any of these conservative speakers. It was calls to shut down the speeches. That's civil disobedience. That's protest. That's free speech, buddy. It's just complete, just, just their view of what's happening in their head does not pan out to the reality of the situations. And there's one more clip here in this one. All right. All right. Look into and to the extent that they're using Twitter to organize any sort of offline violence, that's completely prohibited under our rules, and we would absolutely take action. Would I ask you why Gavin was banned? Was there a specific thing that he did, or was it his association with the Proud Boys? It's association with the Proud Boys. You know, he's uh, abandoned that. He's not only that; he's disassociated himself with it. He he banned it with a wink and a nod, and a nudge or whatever, and he's disassociated himself with it because. His upper scale uh, Westchester neighborhood uh, has found out about his uh, his neighbors, has found out about his association with the Proud Boys, and they have basically flyered their entire rich neighborhood, warning the neighbors about this guy living amongst them. It's quite hilarious, actually. And well within their right to do so. Free speech. There's no cause to violence to get him and against him. It's just making sure the community is aware of this this guy lives among them. It sound, sound, sounds fine to me. And it's not breaking any laws. Said that it completely got out of hand. He doesn't want to have anything to do with it. Yeah. And I think this is a great, again, test case for how we think about uh, getting people back on the platform. If, if, yeah. He said he's an interesting case because he's a really a provocateur and he fancies mm. himself, you know, sort of a punk rocker. And he just he likes uh, stirring shit. I mean, uh, <clears throat> when he came on my show last time he was on, he was dressed up like uh, Michael Douglas and falling down. You know, he, he he did it on purpose. He brought a briefcase and everything. I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm Michael Douglas and falling down. That's like, so cute. He's he's a showman in many ways, <laughs> and he did not mean for this to to go the way it went. Aww. He thought it would be this sort of innocent, fun thing to be a part of, and then Aww. other people got involved in it. And then when people call for violence, the problem is they think that you know you're gonna. Oh, poor baby. Poor Gavin McGinnis. He thought this whole violent white supremacist gang was going to be a big joke. And it got it got too out of hand. Oh. Uh, uh, he, was just, he was just a provocateur. He was just a punk rocker. He was just an innocent punk. Oh. Poor baby. 
Gavin. Someone, can we can we start a GoFundMe for Gavin, everybody? I didn't know that about poor Gavin McGinnis, the rich co-founder of Vice Media who lives in an upper-scale Westchester County neighborhood. Oh, I'm so, oh. My opinion about Gavin's completely changed. All those literally probably dozens of times he's used the N-word on his show, all the times he's called for violence on his YouTube show, all the time he's call, called uh, Islam, uh, uh, Muslim people various Islam, Islamophobic uh, slurs. Oh, they were just all, all the show. All those people who got beat down for just counter-protesting uh, political events that the Proud Boys were angry that they saw them across the street and, and physically assaulted them. Oh, they, they, they were so, it was all just a big misunderstanding. It was supposed to be a joke. Oh, man. Oh, poor, poor babies. Poor babies. Feel bad for the hardcore punk rocker, everybody. Shed a tear for Mr. Punk Rock, Gavin McGinnis. Fucking Gavin McGinnis is a provocateur. She's a showman. He's fucking, he's fucking Barnum and Bailey. He's Vince McMahon. He's a showman. It's all just a show. Fucking so stupid. It's, you know, what what do you say other than just mock it? Because it's a joke. It's, It's a joke in every way that these guys are considered intellectuals or smart in any way that these are arguments that they're making. Poor Gavin. Poor, poor baby Gavin. And by the way, Tim Pool brings up Vic Berger's compilation videos where he basically, again, takes Gavin McGinnis's words as they are, cuts out the rambling bullshit, keeps them in context, but just adds, edits the worst parts together so people don't have to sit through hour-long streams to understand what Gavin McGinnis is saying and pushing. N-word after N-word after N-word after N-word. Islamophobic slur after Islamophobic slur. Literal calls for violence against people. Like, not just like, you know, we should fight back. Not even that. Like, literally. Like, we should punch them. attack. The guy showed up with a sword outside of an event, aiming it at protesters, rallying his proud boys to go attack them. Go look up Vic Berger's videos on Gavin McGinnis, please. As Vispa points out in the live chat, Vic's vids on Gavin are amazing. Right. Right. And let's get to this last part. Now, along with the misgendering, along with the uh, completely out-of-context false exchanges saying that Twitter has an anti-conservative bias... Tim Pool goes out of his way to flaunt, almost like Gavin McGinnis is a showman. Tim Pool went out of his way to perform that he didn't want to name any specific accounts because he didn't want to get them banned. Even though, let me pull this up here. Even though we know that's bullshit because he specifically got in 
um, the uh, the anarchist uh, uh, news outlet, it's going down. IGD, it's going down. Banned from Patreon by asking the Patreon founder with all this evidence about how uh, it's going down is actually an extremist, violent group. He contacted him asking, why are they still out on Patreon? And then he also has, where's this other one? He has contacted far-right white supremacists. Uh, like, for example, here's a, 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 a screenshot of him personally texting Faith Goldie, the, far, the white supremacist uh, former Canadian mayoral candidate. Literally, she's been on video uh, reciting the 14 words. Uh, telling her that all Proud Boys personal accounts, public pages and groups were just purged from Facebook permanently. Fuck this Zuckerberg. And she goes, holy shit. And he goes, Gavin's personal too. There really is a war on free speech. Fucking Silicon Valley dorks who got shoved in lockers in high school are dictating who can say what now. You know, I always contact far-right people with uh, news from social media groups when I'm not on any side, right? unbelievable but anyway here's Tim Pool well throughout the thing throughout the episode I should say Tim Pool was saying flaunting how he wouldn't name any specific people wouldn't name any specific accounts didn't want to throw anyone under the bus and get banned and, and, and be the reason they were banned from Twitter because he's Mr. Free Speech well listen to this clip that that's come about so the podcast ends and they shut down the video feed. They think the show is over. The show is technically over. Ah, but there's still a hot mic, right? There's a microphone that's on that's getting the after show conversations between Twitter, Tim Pool, and Joe Rogan. Listen to this exchange from the guy who doesn't want to be the re- Mr. Free Speech, who doesn't want to get anyone banned from the platform. It is... Uh, a shocker. Imagine my shock, folks. Imagine my shock. That was awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, thanks for for, ta- for talking. I really do appreciate it. Oh, hey, yeah. could you? I just want to follow up on a couple of things because they worry me. The you mentioned an Antifa account that docks policemen. Can you please just send that over uh, to me? Bit.ly slash Antifa tweet. Bit.ly slash Antifa tweet. And then, yep. um, would you DM me? I'll follow you. Would you DM me the, the accounts that you said um, I threatened you? No. Um, uh, I believe in minimizing harm. Okay. And if I... I, I so uh, when Patreon... I, I won't... How about this? I won't take action on them, but I want to understand why you take action on them. And I can't learn from that unless you... So, so uh, when Lauren Southern got banned from Patreon, a lot of people were... There was a... There was a <laughs> so you caught the end there. They realized they were still streaming. They said, stop talking. But I just want to make sure you guys notice what happened. 
Tim Pool is asked by the Twitter's head of policy for a specific account that he that 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 he claimed was posting personal information or whatever his claim about this specific account was. And throughout the episode, on the record, when he knows people are listening, he's Mr. Free Speech. Doesn't want to get anyone banned. Listen to how... I want to replay that, actually. Listen to how quickly he offers it up to her, offers the exact... He spells it out for her. He literally spells out how to, the, how to get to the account. Letter by letter. As quickly as possible, offers it up the second she asks. I got to play that again so you guys really... I want you guys to understand. That was awesome. Here. Thank you. Great. Thank you. Uh, thanks for, for, talk, for talking. I really do appreciate it. That was great. Hey, yeah. could you... I just want to follow up on a couple of things because they worry me. The, you mentioned an Antifa account that docks policemen. Can you please just send that over uh, to me? Bit.ly slash Antifa Look how fast he gave it up. So fast. And then, now here, here's where he's probably going to argue that she's Mr., 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 still Mr. Free Speech and wouldn't dare do this sort of thing. She asks him to DM her some of these other accounts. And that's when he pauses for a minute and goes, I, I will not do that. And it's pretty clear why he won't do that. But quickly offered up the previous account. And that's because the DMs would leave a paper trail. When the mic is thought to be off and they're just talking, spitballing in the safe space of Joe Rogan's little podcast room, he was ready to just throw those people under the bus, just give out any name possible. Here, I won't only tell you the name of the account, I'll tell you each letter so there's no mistake about it. I want to make sure you know which account to get kicked off the platform. But when you ask me to type it so there's some sort of paper trail, so in any event this got leaked out in some way, or in his case, he probably doesn't mean trust Twitter. He thinks maybe they would even screenshot it themselves and, and, and disseminate it. That's when he goes, no, because it's not a moral compass thing. It's a, I have a role to play. I've created this facade around myself and I'm watching out for my back. That's what that whole thing was. Because again, when he knew he, when he thought he was safe, just throw that shit out. Like it's no problem at all. Nobody's business. It is incredible. Incredible. It's, it's, it was just incredible to watch. I, I, I don't know what else to say about it. Oh, and I should, should bring up to end this episode. Uh, we went long. We're not going to have uh, members, I'm sorry. Patrons, I'm sorry. We'll do a call-in a call show for you guys uh, soon in the coming days or maybe next week. I'll let you guys know in the Patreon. Uh, we went long in this episode. I really wanted to get all this stuff out there. Um, but that's this is going to be the whole freebie show. And... Um, for the record, uh, Tim's deleted these tweets now, but I have a screenshot of one of them. Um, we, me and Tim Pool last talked in December of 2017 when Sam Cedar got fired from MS from fired from MSNBC because of Mike Cernovich's uh, tweet uh, that he found of Sam because Mike Cernovich found Sam's tweet that was taken out of context. It was an anti-Roman Polanski joke that was purposely taken out of context by Mike Cernovich 
to get Sam fired from MSNBC. And for a short time, it worked before MSNBC realized what Sam was actually saying and how this tweet was being weaponized against him and they rehired him. When this whole thing was happening, uh, Sam, in an effort to clear his good name, found, uh, well, didn't find, used all the tweets I found of Mike Cernovich from back during the Gamergate days to show that Mike Cernovich was operating in bad faith. This is a guy who's uh, literally said he supports rape, was happy when he heard about uh, things happening to women, such as, you know, he didn't care about you know, issue, breast cancer issues and things like that because he was just anti-feminist and anti... Uh, he was pro... He would bully people online by saying horrible things to them. Uh, he, literally, he would advocate for rape. I mean, legitimately would tell people how to rape someone and get away with it. And... Sam used those, basically, in a way to... You know, form a profile around Mike Cernovich to show that this guy is operating in bad faith, like I just said. And Tim, again, showcasing what either a complete idiot he is or how disingenuous he is, tweeted out a news article about how MSNBC wouldn't renew Sam's contract and said, Sam Cedar will not be renewed by MSNBC following a campaign to highlight a past tweet in part by Cernovich. Sam tried using the same tactics to smear Mike. However, there's no one to fire him and his fans don't care. Uh, again, the point wasn't to fire Mike Cernovich. Sam knows how Mike Cernovich operates and where he gets his funding and fans from. He, it was to build a profile of the guy who was attacking him for his own sake. But to call it a smear. I mean, Mike Cernovich literally smeared Sam Cedar by falsifying statements, pretending that Sam was saying the opposite of what he was saying. Sam was just presenting Mike Cernovich's own words as typed out by Mike Cernovich. That's all the time. I, and I got into a little argument with Tim about it on there, but those are all deleted now because apparently Mr. Journalist scrubs his, uh, his Twitter account. Every now and then. Whatever. That's Tim Pool for you folks. All right. Support this show by going to patreon.com slash mattbinder. You could also support this show by subscribing on iTunes. Leave us an iTunes review. Subscribe to the YouTube channel, doomed.tv. Uh, every, every sort of, every, every beginning of the month. Because of how the way Patreon operates, we always lose a few Patreon subscribers. Whether it be declines or people deciding they need to, to hold off for a month. So, always, if you can, support this show financially. Become a Patreon subscriber. It helps me greatly. And these are the wonderful people who do. Abigail T. Adam Q. Alan B. Andrew H. Ayashuasaka. Excuse me if I messed that up. Uh, Benji A, Bobby M, Brooke H, Chi, Christine H, Clement C, Colin H, Colin R, I should say, uh, Cecil C, or Cecily, I'm sorry, Cecily C, Dink U, uh, Dave K, David H, Dragon Slayer, Emily M, Fraz K, Francis Z, Ian Curtis J, Jameson Test, Janelle A, Jasmine H, 
Jeff K, Joseph R, Josh C, Julie, <coughs> excuse me, Katie S, Marcos R, Max W, User Me, Michael J, Michael M, Misfit Demit, Mr. Danks, Nicole A, Namde Net, Omid M, Romina O, Cena, Struggle Session, TM, Tamni G, Thaddeus A, Tina M, Tom G, Tom M, Trine E, Will P, and Zarin. <coughs> Ooh, I had a cough to begin with, but pronouncing Zarin that way really did a number on my voice there. All right, folks. That's today's show. I'm sorry I can't get to the comments. I hope you enjoyed how long I went with those videos, though. I think it made it worth missing out on the comments and not doing a particular member show. But we will do a member show uh, for you guys very soon. I'll let you guys know on the Patreon. Uh, also, there'll be the regular weekly show with the membership that comes right after next week. I'll have a guest. Um, uh, good show, Matt, says Mud Mud. Thank you, Mud Mud. Uh... I appreciate props to the Mons for helping out as usual and making sure this episode's live chat was not filled with bullshit. Again, open to all sorts of commentary from the left, right, whatever. Just don't ruin the experience of the live chat. And uh, if you're listening to the podcast, this is probably one where maybe if you have, if, if you can't, if you can't listen to the podcast, it'll be just as good. But your experience will be enhanced if you could watch the live stream replay. Uh, but you don't have to. It's still, still good. Whatever. Uh, Brian says, thanks for watching that shit show so we don't have to. Go, Matt. Thank you, Brian. See you all next time on Doomed. Get by association. Just by who I know. Can't keep all my friends out of trouble. They got no place to go. Get by association. Just by who I know.